Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good noon time, good noon 30, good night, good midnight, whatever time of day it is. See, I want you to know I'm Lynn Ferguson and I proved this message. <laughs> I'm Lynn Ferguson, also known as Lynn Tennyson, your host here on the show, Lynn Spins, a podcast dedicated to Black life in America and all over the world and music. So, it's the night time. I'm feeling always. I think it's time to make a podcast about this Anderson Lee Aldridge situation. The name of the shooter in Colorado at the Club Q. His motives, the branding of him as a member of the community, and more. So you just sit back, relax. Why don't you just grab a snack and jump in? Lens Vins. So as most of us are aware, a shooting took place at a queer nightclub known as Club Q, an LGBTQI nightclub in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And it's crazy because it's just about an hour or so from Denver, Colorado, where I moved uh, in the beginning of this year. So, I mean, it's really crazy because like, you know, I, I did come back to St. Louis. Um, soon after I moved there because it didn't work out and it's just crazy to think that I was that close to that situation and then here I am thinking about the situation of the central shooting that took place at Central Visual Performing Arts High School my first high school you know um, back um, just a couple weeks ago so um, it's just like this this stuff is really affecting us like when I think about the El Paso shooter that happened when I was working at Walmart in Sparta, Illinois. So it, it's really crazy because it's just like, this stuff is affecting our everyday lives. And we sold ammunition and guns there at that Walmart. But I want to start off with a an article um, that gets into... Colorado Springs wrestling and grappling with, uh, you know, their history. Um, their, you know, very religious anti-LGBTQI uh, history. Um, it's titled, Colorado Springs wrestles with its religious anti-LGBTQ past after gay club shooting by Sam Metz and Stephen Groves um, with the Associated Press. And this is distributed through the or published in the Los Angeles Times, November 25th of this year at 7.03 a.m. So it starts off with Colorado Springs, Colorado. When officials unfurled a 25-foot-long rainbow flag in front of Colorado Springs City Hall this week, people who gathered to mourn the victims of a mass shooting at a popular gay club couldn't help but reflect on how such a display of support would have been unthinkable just days earlier. With a growing and diversifying population, the Colorado City nestled at the foothills of the Rockies is a patchwork of disparate social and cultural fabrics. It's a place full of art shops and breweries, mega churches and military bases, a liberal arts college and the Air Force Academy. For years, 
It's marketed itself as an outdoorsy boomtown with a population set to top Denver's by 2050. But last weekend's shooting has raised uneasy questions about the lasting legacy of cultural conflicts that caught fire decades ago and gave Colorado Springs a reputation as a center of religion-infused conservatism, where LGBTQ people didn't fit in with the most vocal community leaders' idea of family values. Some, merely seeing bullies being careful to refer to the victims using the correct pronouns this week signal a seismic change. Rather, the shocking act of violence in a space considered an LGBTQ refuge shattered a sense of optimism that it spread from the city's revitalized downtown to the sprawling subdivisions on its outskirts. It feels like the city is kind of at a tipping point, said Candace Woods, a queer minister and chaplain who has called Colorado Springs home for 18 years. It feels interesting and strange, like there's this tension. How are we going to decide how we want to move forward as a community? In recent decades, the population has almost doubled to 480,000 people, more than one third of residents are non-white. Politics here lean more conservative than incomparably sized cities. City council debates revolve around issues familiar throughout the mountain West, such as water, housing, and the threat of wildfires. Residents take pride in describing Colorado Springs as a place defined by reinvention. In the early 20th century, newcomers sought to establish a resort town in the shadow of Pikes Peak. In the 1940s, military bases arrived. In the 1990s, it became known as a home base for evangelical nonprofits and Christian ministries, including the broadcast ministry focused on the family and the fellowship of Christian cowboys. I've been thinking for years we're in the middle of a transition about what Colorado Springs is, who we are, and what we've become, said Matt Mabry, a historian who directs the Colorado Springs Pioneers Museum. The idea of latching onto a city with a bright future is part of what drew Michael Anderson, a bartender at Club Q, who survived last weekend's shooting, to move here. Two friends, Derek Rump and Daniel Austin, helped him land the job at Club Q and find his queer family in his new hometown. It was more welcoming than the rural part of Florida where he grew up. Still, he noted signs that the city was more culturally conservative than others of similar size and much of the crust of Colorado. Colorado Springs is kind of an outlier, he said. Now he's grieving the loss of Rump and Aston, both of whom were slain in the club shooting. Leslie Harrod followed an opposite trajectory. After growing up in Colorado Springs in a military family, like many others in the city, she left to study at the University of Colorado in the liberal city of Boulder. In 2016, she became the first openly LGBTQ and Black person elected to Colorado's General Assembly, representing part of Denver. She is now running to become Denver's mayor. Colorado Springs is a community that is full of love, but I will also acknowledge that I chose to leave the Springs because I felt like when it came to the elected leadership, the vocal leadership in this community, it wasn't supportive of all people, wasn't supportive of Black people, wasn't supportive of immigrants, not supportive of LGBTQ people, Harold said at a memorial event downtown.
She said she found community at Club Q when she would come back from college, but that sense of belonging didn't allow her to forget that people and groups with the history of anti-LGBTQ stances and rhetoric maintained influence in city politics. This community, just like any other community in this country, is complex, she said. Herod and others who have been around long enough remember how, in the 1990s, at the height of the religious rights influence, the Colorado Springs-based group Colorado for Family Values spearheaded a statewide push to pass Amendment 2, which made it illegal for communities to pass ordinances protecting LGBTQ people from discrimination. Colorado Springs voted 3-1 to one in favor of Amendment 2, helping make its narrow statewide victory possible, though it was later ruled unconstitutional. The campaign cemented the city's reputation, drawing more like-minded groups and galvanizing progressive activists in response. The influx of evangelical groups decades ago was at least in part spurred by efforts from the city's economic development arm to offer financial incentives to lure nonprofit organizations. Newcomers began lobbying for policies such as getting rid of school Halloween celebrations because of suspicions about the holiday's pagan origins. Iemi Mobilate, an entrepreneur running for mayor as an independent, didn't understand how strong Colorado Springs' stigma as a hate city was until he moved here 12 years ago. But since he's been here, he said, it has risen from recession-era struggles and become culturally and economically vibrant for all kinds of people. There has been a concerted push to shed the city's reputation as Jesus Springs and remake it again, highlighting its elite Olympic training center and branding itself as Olympic City U. As in the 90s, focus on the family and new life church remain prominent in town. After the shooting, focus on the family's president, Jim Daly, said that like the rest of the community, he was mourning the tragedy. But the city under the national spotlight, he said the organization wanted to make it clear that it stands against hate. Daly noted a generational shift among Christian leaders away from the rhetorical style of his predecessor, James Dobson. Whereas Focus on the Family published literature in past decades assailing what it called the homosexual agenda, its messaging now emphasizes tolerance, ensuring that those who believe marriage should be between one man and one woman have the right to act accordingly. I think in a pluralistic culture now, the idea is how do we all live without treading on each other, Daly said. The memorials this week attracted a wave of visitors, crowds of mourners clutching flowers, throngs of television crews, and also a church group whose volunteers set up a tent and passed out cookies, coffee, and water. To some in the LGBTQ community, the scene was less about solidarity and more a cause for consternation. Colorado Springs native Ashlyn May, who grew up in a Christian church but left when it didn't accept her queer identity, said one woman from the group in the tent asked if she could pray for her and a friend who accompanied her to the memorial. She said yes. It reminded May of her beloved great-grandparents who were religious, but as the praying carried on and the woman urged May and her friend to turn to God, she felt as if praying had turned into praying with an E. And unearthed memories of hearing things about LGBTQ people she saw as hateful and inciting. It felt very conflicting, May said. So here we have in this article through the Los Angeles Times, clear indication of Colorado Springs wrestling with its religious anti-LGBTQ past after this shooting at Club Q. 
I mean, this is indicative of the intolerance and discrimination and persecution faced by the community in this very city. It's absolutely nonsensical. I mean, this guy went in there and shot up all of these people. And now they're trying to claim that he is a person who goes, he's, he's gender non-binary. Because by they and them pronouns, at least the court documents are, are claiming that. And no one can cite anything else but the court documents, you know? I mean, look at his dad. Like, the mess of bones that stood up and said what the fuck that man said that was so fucking ridiculous and insensitive. Like, oh yeah, all of these people died. But in the face of these families, let me just say this. In the face of the friends of these victims, the mourners, let me just say this. As the father of the suspect, I'm only glad he's not gay. And you can see how glad I am that he's not gay because that's all I have to talk about when he kills gay people. <laughs> there you have it. There you have it. And then there's this weird, bizarre video of um, him apparently being kicked in the groin repeatedly that resurfaced according to an article through Radar Online. Um, and this is the father apparently of the uh, shooter. While the Colorado Springs community continued to grieve the loss of five members from their community, videos of the suspected shooter, Anderson Lee Aldrich's father, being kicked in the groin area have surfaced. RadarOnline.com had learned. Aaron Brink, the biological father of Aldrich, is an MMA fighter and adult film star. Wow. So, he is... An adult film star? So he is... It can't be a religious reason that he believes that, you know, this guy, uh, his son shouldn't be gay and gay people are bad because, um, I mean, it's really just rooted in hatred. There's no reasoning whatsoever because, I mean, he's over here doing fucking porn for a living. Looks like he does meth and a whole bunch of other shit. His toothless ass looks like a vulture. Like, it, it, it's nonsensical. They go on to write that Aldrich has been accused of killing five people and injuring more than a dozen, others in a brazen attack. The video miniseries, titled Ouch My Balls, pictured the ex-MMA fighter wearing a business suit and red tie as he donned sunglasses and wore his hair in a ponytail. Aaron Brink gets kicked in the balls in a business suit, read the intro for the bizarre pain-inflicting video. Brink then claimed that supplements made him immune from feeling pain from the repeated kicks of the boot-wearing partner featured in the clip. Well, hey, you guys, at least he won't be having any more kids and, and kid shooters. I'm going to demonstrate the effects of arginine Brink stated while he claimed that he was not wearing a protective cup for this time. Brink is seen popping several of the alleged pain-inflicting supplements, which is actually a stevia sugar substitute. 
Brink's boot-wearing partner then delivered six swift kicks to the adult film star's groin. Brink, who has an extensive criminal history that includes drug abuse, looked frazzled as he rambled his thoughts to a reporter after finding out that his son was suspected as a club cue shooter. And then I go on to find out it's a gay bar, Brink recalled. This is the father. I said, God, is he gay? I got scared. Chip, is he gay? And he's not gay. So I said, you know, Mormons don't do gay. We don't do gay. There's no gays in the Mormon church. We don't do gay, Brink said during the interview. Aldrich legally changed his name, Nicholas Franklin Brink, in 2016 to distance himself from his father's occupation after allegedly being the victim of online bullying. I mean, you can't make this shit up. The only reason they're claiming that he goes by, that the shooter goes by they and them pronouns is because it's a media, it puts the media in the frenzy. It, it continues this Republican um, campaign uh, against people in the community and um, almost tries to validate it. And then it um, helps um, get their client off, you know, of hate charges possibly and all kinds of other things. We'll see what happens. But you know, this situation is not a one-off situation. Like, this guy has been begging for a situation, an opportunity to present itself for him to kill people. Uh, Radar Online even goes on to read, write another article, I wish I can shoot all of you. Colorado shooter and mother caught spewing racist slurs after flight. Passenger claims he made disturbing threat. This was produced five hours ago, today, the 25th of November. A shocking video has surfaced of accused Colorado nightclub shooter Anderson Lee Aldridge and their mother making racist... uh -uh. Now, mind you, this article gets into referring to him as they and them, and we're not going to do that. We're definitely not going to do that. So, I will be... Everything I'm reading from this article is correct, save for the um, pronouns, uh, or excuse me, is um, verbatim, save for the pro- pronouns. A shocking video has surfaced of accused Colorado nightclub shooter Anderson Lee Olmbridge and his mother making racist remarks after deplaning in Denver, Colorado this July. RadarOnline.com has learned. That is crazy. Y'all, I just told you I was in Denver. It was only an hour or so away from fucking Colorado Springs. Dude. And I flew Frontier. Oh my gosh, girl. That is crazy. Like, there's... Who knows, like, how close I was to being, you know, involved in this situation. That's just crazy. Cell phone footage obtained by fellow Frontier Airline passenger uh, Maria Martinez showed Aldridge and his mother, Laura Veppel, during an explosive verbal exchange at the terminal, which happened just a few months before the attack on Club Q. Martinez and her daughter, Kayla Martinez, were in shock after IDing the person as the suspect who uses 
they then pronounce per court documents. Look here, whatever. Accused of killing five people and wounding others on Saturday before being subdued by bystanders. Tension reached a boiling point in the video obtained by news outlet KDVR after Martinez was called the derogatory term against Spanix, leading her to film Aldridge and Vimple as they walked off. What makes me a derogatory slur? She asked angrily. Shut up, Vimple fired back. Aldridge chimed in moments later, stating, you keep following me and I'm going to fuck you up. This is crazy, and y'all, this dude is hideous. His mom didn't rub his head. His, like, the back of his head is literally, like, it looks like it just was laid. On the crib. On the mattress in the crib. And just, you know, he sat there for, like, three years. Like, ridiculous. Like, just laid there for three years while his head just got accustomed and shaped and formed to that fit. Y'all, this is all I have to bring you, save for my thoughts. I'm so sick of this. And it's so crazy because it's like, you know, we know what is what is making this a more common scenario, these mass shootings of any caliber. Whether we're talking about a mass shooting, um, mass shootings of schools, at schools, whether we're talking about mass shootings at grocery stores, um, at black churches, at black stores, and places where black people frequent, um, places where Jewish people frequent, places where there are synagogues, temples, um, places where people in the LGBTQI community frequent, places women frequent with these incel attacks that I did not forget about. Like at the yoga studio. These are the things that are happening and they're happening because, partially because and greatly because of this Republican rhetoric and railing against democracy. They won't vote for what the people want. They won't put into law what we have requested and demanded. They won't even acknowledge their constituents unless they agree with them or unless they can help them get reelected in their minds. They won't vote for gun laws and gun safety. They won't vote for the environment to protect the, uh, uh, the globe. I mean, what are they going to do? What are they doing? Every single one of these things is happening because of things that Republicans have voted against. Something's got to go. Something has got to go. Because this can't keep going on, you know? And people are about to get real fed up. You think you saw it in 2020? You ain't seen shit. 